Yeah. Yeah. Pro Fan Sports Podcast. Let's get it. Pro Fan. Tune into the program. Every single week, get the dope, fam. Sean on the mic, very flat, too. Keep you updated, that's what we do. Pro Fan. Tune into the program. Pro Fan. Tune into the program. Pro Fan. Tune into the program. Every single week, get the dope, fam. Yo, 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 what to do, everybody? It's your boy, John Altador, with Pro Fan Sports Podcast, where the fans of the pros go back at you with another one. My boy is Vlad Berry, a special guest, uh, senior NFL writer at the Boston Globe um, for the Patriots, um, as well as the NFL, and host of the Ben Volland Football Hour Saturdays on WEI at 1, I mean, 12 to 1. Um, ben Volland, how y'all doing? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Good. Yeah. Doing great, man. Amazing, right? Excited to have you on here and to, you know, show them podcasts and talk some Patriots and uh, some NFL with the season coming up this week. So I know it's an exciting time for, you know, for all football fans, you know, for people that, uh, you know, enjoy the game of football. So we're definitely happy, you know, having you here and looking forward to having a great episode today. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. And we're two weeks into training camp now, and it's Monday night. We got a couple, like one more practice to go, and then we finally got our first preseason game. So there's just in two weeks, a lot's been going on already. So there's plenty to talk about. Definitely. Um, and, you know, again, thank you for, for coming on. Um, if you're watching, please make sure you're subscribing to the channel and uh, make sure you're following Ben Volland on Twitter as well. I see, I saw you tweeting about practice today. Um, I think you were you tweeted something about uh, Cam Newton throwing a nice 25-yard pass to James White there. Um, how was practice? It was a beautiful throw. James White was running a wheel route down the right sideline. Cam lofted it perfectly. It went uh, right over Kyle Van Noy. James White made a great over-the-head catch, like came down with it two feet, 25 yards down the sideline. That's what you want to see from Cam, showing some touch, showing that he can push the ball downfield a little bit. He also had a nice deep touchdown to John New Smith today. And then it's funny, two plays after that wheel route to James White, Cam Newton got picked off in the red zone across the middle from uh, Adrian Phillips, who is quickly becoming my favorite player on the defense. Just all he does is make plays. He's everywhere in that defense. He's kind of the new Patrick. He's, he, they, they bring him up in run force. They use him in coverage. He's just one of these hybrid, you know, linebacker safety. And Phillips, he made a lot of plays last year and already in camp. He's That guy's quickly – was that a bad was that a bad read by Kim Newton or was that a great great read by great Adrian Phillips? Would have to without the benefit of instant replay. I I don't know if I'm uh, you. qualified yeah. to assign blame <laughs> on what happened. I do know it was a throw over the middle, and I think uh, Phillips kind of undercut the receiver and made the pick. And Cam's had a few of those during camp. Um, mm. To to me, the thing is you can't. You can't get too high or too low based on what you see out there in practice. Yeah. Right, practice, right. You know, you don't know what they're working on. You don't know what the read was supposed to be. You know, practice is the time to make mistakes. Um, let's not forget also, you know, because these guys practice against each other every day, the defense gets to know the offense pretty well. Uh, sometimes practice can be way harder than I think these guys see in a game just because of the familiarity. Um, so I, I really, I, you know, I've been covering the NFL now for nearly 15 years. Well, that's one thing I've learned is, you know, it, it certainly it's it, it's important to take note of kind of what happens out there. But to, to 
put too much you know stock into like picks and it, it, it's foolish because you don't really know it'd be like you know if you're watching the red sox you, know, you watch batting practice like wow david ortiz was 16 for 21 in batting practice it just doesn't necessarily always translate to the game so it's you know like when newton throws a pick today it's important to note but that doesn't mean uh, Newton's sinking and Mac Jones yeah. is rising. We really don't know what they're truly. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's a dominating story this season on, right? Um, as long as Cam Newton is here and Mac Jones, um, you know, so we see what's being reported. Um, some I feel like a lot of the media sometimes is biased. Sometimes I feel like you know some stuff is kind of unfair, you know, when it comes to Cam Newton. But you know, you you are at practice. You've been at practice. What, what's your feeling on, you know, what the team is going through right now and, and how good is Mac? So it's so fascinating because even from the from the night they drafted Mac Jones, I'll check his cameras. And I don't think it's lip service. I think when you're watching practice, like I'm looking for an open competition and I just don't see it. Like Cam is the starter. Now that could change. He could fall flat on his face. Cam could rise over these next three weeks. You know, it's not just how you, it's, you know, certainly how you start in training camp is important, but it's, it's how you ascend and build off each. So I don't want to say it's closed by any stretch. I think Mac Jones, in theory, could win the job, but I think it would take Cam really falling flat on his face. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think Belichick even knows Cam Newton, not necessarily a practice player. He's not necessarily a seven-on-seven quarterback. Cam Newton is a game-day quarterback. He makes plays yeah. with his feet. You know, he makes plays. Um, just throughout the course of the game that you can't really simulate in practice. Mm -hmm. I think barring injury, it's Cam Newton's job. I think he's clearly running with the starting offensive line, the ones. He's the one starting every drill. Now, they're getting Mac a lot of work, and I think Mac is certainly on an accelerated schedule. If you go back and look at some of the other young quarterbacks they've had, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jarrett Stidham, those guys kind of start as like the scout team quarterback, and eventually yeah. they sent to number two, whereas Mac is already starting – as the number two guy, Hoyer is clearly the scout team, and Mac is, is getting a lot of reps. I just don't know, you know, is it truly a competition? Or I, I tend to think the coaching staff sees it as this is the time of the year to get Mac to work because once the season starts, the backup quarterback does not get a whole lot of practice, a lot of work during practice. This is the time, these five to six weeks in training camp, this is when you need to get Mac as much as possible. And I think they want to see where he's at and how much he can handle but I, I would be shocked if Cam is not the starter week one through early in the season. And I think if Belichick, in his perfect world, Cam stays healthy, Cam is productive, and Mac can sit the whole year and sponge absorb everything. I think they would prefer Mac to be overprepared when he's ready to, to go in. Um, now, look, if Cam starts playing horribly and he's really holding them back and they start one and four, Belichick, I, I think, will make the switch. I don't think anything, you know, handed to, to Newton. He doesn't have tenure or anything like that. So he's going to have to perform to keep his job. But I think Belichick wants him. I think Belichick wants him. Do you think Cam Noon has, like, enough leeway to lose, like, let's say two games in a row? So that's the fascinating uh, angle of all this. I mean, this, the minute he throws an incomplete pass, all the fans are going to be screaming, let's see the kid. Let's see the first <laughs> so he's gonna have I feel like back. a lot of us was like that with Jared Stidham. We're like, put Stidham on the field and then – you know, and, and it was really telling last year that as poorly as Cam played towards, they didn't go to, he stuck with Cam. I don't think that's going to be the case this time. They have a lot more invested in Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is a much higher ceiling uh, than Jared Stidham. But uh, sorry, what, what was the original question again? Oh, how's he going to hit? I think, I think Belichick will stick with Cam. He's not just going to re replace his quarterback, you know, after one bad game, you know, anything like that. I think he's going to give him a real chance. What if the season starts slipping away? I mean, if they're one in five, 
Belichick wow. is not going to that. You know, ooh, I think ooh. that's what it will take. Early ooh, one in five. Yeah, oh, yeah right. I, mean, and, oh, and I don't boy. think that will be the case. That's I even worse than last year. <laughs> right. Let's hopefully that's not the case. Right. Honestly, right. like oh, I think what they what they need out of quarterback this year is a guy who can convert a few third downs and a guy who doesn't turn the ball because I think they got a great defense. They'll be able to run the ball really well, and they mm-hmm. just. I, you hate to say it, but they just need kind of the game manager quarterback. Just going to say that was going through my mind too. Right? Yeah, and I think Belichick just trusts Newton as a veteran to be safer with the football, make better decisions. And maybe, you know, I think the hope is Mac will get there. But I, I think Belichick still has the faith in Cam Newton. But again, if Cam is not performing, if he's holding the team back, and look, they spent $175 million fully guaranteed, and they are not <laughs> messing seven. around. They do not want to go 7-9. Nah. If, they, if this season starts slipping away, they will they will make the switch. But um, I think Belichick wants Cam to. Absolutely. Um, I mean, there's also some other guys on the team, uh, and we know preseason starts on Thursday. Uh, we're gonna, going to be playing the Washington football team, right? So, who are some guys we need to you know look for in these games? Well, those are kind of two different questions. You know, th- I think the preseason games are really going to be about younger guys. We know with Kyle Van Noy. Yeah. I think, I think now that Hunter Henry is hurt with a shoulder injury, like put Johnny Smith in bubble wrap. Don't risk it. You know, it's just not worth it. And you'd like to see Cam and the first team offense go out and get some reps together. Asian. But to me, the preseason just is not worth it. And heaven forbid they lose Nelson Aguilar. They lose Johnny Smith to some injury. That would just be the worst feel. You know, as far oh, yeah. as like what, you know, who to watch for, um, I'm still looking at the receivers. That, that's a pretty fascinating competition. I think the top four are pretty well locked in between Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, and Gunner. Uh, Gunner Olszewski's been, today he was phenomenal. He was getting straight separation. You know, Edelman, it took Edelman until year five for him to come on. In this. So yeah. Gunner's in year three now. I wonder if the light's going to start clicking on a little. Maybe he'll get some more action. But then after, after those four, you know, Nikhil Harry is a fascinating guy. And I mean, he's such a physical specimen out there. It's just mind boggling why he hasn't been able to live up to his potential. So I know he requested the trade, but you know, he's cheap. He's only 1.4 million this year and it's fully guaranteed. So the Patriots, unless they can trade him. Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, unless you could get a, a good trade off from, I would give Nikhil Harry another shot, see what he can do and, and see if he can pull it all together. And then there's a couple of young guys, Isaiah Zuber and Christian Wilkerson. They, they were on the practice squad kind of up and down last year. But, you know, between those three, I, I think they're really maybe battling for one roster spot. So who gets the targets, who makes the big plays, who's getting a lot of the snaps in the preseason. You know, offensive line as well. David Andrews went down. He's a little banged up, so that might open some opportunities for Ted Karras and other guys. But, um, you know, I wanted to, it's a good showcase for the younger guys to see who can get the last 10 roster spots. You know, I just think with, with where the Patriots are at injury-wise, especially with Hunter Henry already going down, I hope that Belichick, if he does play the first-team guys, it's like for a series or two. You just can't risk it. I hear yeah. a lot about um, Wilkerson um, you know, in a lot of the reports, and it kind of like reminds me of Harris or something like that um, from last year, I think. Um, is, he, is he better than that? It's hard to tell, you know, especially when, when you have three guys like that, uh, Harry, Zuber, and Wilkerson, who are all kind of showing up. And make, to me, that says, yeah, it's training camp. It's one thing to do it in practice. Now let's see who can the game situation. They, they all three are m- making really nice plays on the ball. To me, the guy that uh, stands out has been Zuber. Every time I look up, Zuber's making, you know, hauling in some 40-yard pass or getting great separation. So it seems like maybe a different day, you know, a different receiver steps up. Nikhil Harry has 
had a nice camp. I think some of the positivity you're hearing about him might be an effort to, you know, get that trade value back up a little bit. Right. I've seen a lot of positivity lately. It's, it's almost too much. It makes diving catches and all that. (laughs) Too many positive vibes. Right. But uh, you know what? Maybe year three is when it all clicks for him. I'm telling you, like when he, when, when he's out there standing next to the fellow receiver, he looks like a man among boys. He is just big and physical and thick and just for whatever reason, it has not translated uh, on the field. I, I get the sense that the the offense isn't natural enough for him, and, and he's just thinking too much. He's not playing yeah. fast. But, I mean, you look at him, and he just looks like a beast. So, uh, you know, maybe this is the year it all – I mean, he should be running over again, through them, making contested catches. You know, maybe this is the year he does it. You know, certainly the, the Patriots aren't counting on him to be a big part because they did bring yeah. in Bourne and Aguilar. And, you know, receiver is still – it's going to be a secondary part of the offense. It's going to run around the tight ends and the run game. A yep. lot of two tight end sets, a lot of play action, a lot of Damian Harris. That guy, I, ho- I hope he doesn't see one snap because Damian Harris. Yeah, we need to I think if he healthy. stays healthy, he's yes. going to That's phenomenal. a premium than that, man. Yeah. Absolute premium. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you, Ben. Uh, so I was what, wondering what's been going on with Stefan Gilmore because right, he hasn't really been – uh, at practice, I know there's a you know bit of a you know holdout you know with this contract situation uh, you know go, go, going on and uh, him not being happy uh, what he, you know has been being compensated and wanting a bump uh, you know this year and even a long term uh, you know extension from the team and the team seems kind of like reluctant to give that to him. So what as far as what do you know about you know that situation? Uh, with Stefan Gilmore, just how important is his um, impact on that, you know, d- defense, uh, you know, with him not being there, uh, sure. you know, in camp so far? No doubt. Um, so, you know, he skipped minicamp in the spring, which was mandatory, and he incurred $93,000 in fines, which the team could wait. Uh, and, and so the big question, and, and then he came out in July and said he's not happy with his contract, he wants to be paid what he's worth. So I guess the big question was, is he going to hold out? Is he going to show up? And he showed up day one. He reported on time. And not only that, he's been out on the lower field every day, you know, doing his conditioning work with other injured guys. Six to ten guys on a given day are running sprint. So I've said from day one, okay, he could have held out. He could have been a big distraction. He could have held in, which is what a lot of guys do now, like uh, Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown in Seattle and TJ Watt in, in Pittsburgh. They're holding in. They reported, so they're not getting fined. $50,000 a day, but they're not participating. They're doing as, doing as little work as possible so as not to get fined. That's not so, Gilmore. He's not being so, a distraction. He's so those guys just come in and just hang out or something? Yeah, exactly. They're they're injured, and so they're not they're not participating in practice. They're I guess they're probably going through meetings and stuff, but they're not really doing the on-field work. Their team is mm. not. So yeah, that's that's the new trend now is holding in because you know players don't want to incur these fines of $50,000 a day, so they show up. And they say, oh, my hamstring, I can't go. I just can't practice. So Gilmore's not doing that. He's participating. He's invested. Sometimes at the end of practice, he comes up from the lower field and he watches on the sideline with his team. So clearly, I think he's trying to be a good soldier and he's trying to prove to the Patriots he's not a distraction. So I think the Patriots definitely now have to hold up their end of the bargain. Um, I don't think they're just going to hand him over free money. Uh, Gilmore's, you know, I think he's owed 7.9 this year and cornerbacks in his range are making anywhere from 15 to 20. So, you know, we saw a, couple a lot of, of money. That's a lot of money. But you know what? He's still a number one corner. He's still an elite player. 
He's two probably, years away from MVP, right? That's right. He's, yep. he's, uh, even though he's going to be 31 years old this fall, he's still an elite player. You can't – he's not easily replaceable. And the Patriots are clearly going for it based on all this money they spent. I think it would be really stupid of them to trade away Gilmore or make him upset. After spending all that money, you're going to hold out and, and pinch pennies with, you know, your best player. So I, yeah. I don't know if they're mm-hmm. going to hand him a lot of just free money. You know, when even Brady and Gronk, when they wanted – a pay raise. The Patriots really just gave them incentives. So I think Gilmore's probably looking at something like that, where maybe they give him a little bit more guaranteed, but really they give him an extra four or five million that he can earn based on playing time and games active and a Pro Bowl and Patriots de- defense finishing top five in points or whatever. They can find mm-hmm. creative ways. But so I, I think they will uh, give him, the, you know, something like that. The, the Dolphins just did a very similar thing with Xavier Howard. Yes, I uh, did yeah. hear about that. Yep. So, you know, I think that the Patriots can and will do this a very similar thing. It probably won't increase Gilmore's cap number that much, but they'll give him the opportunity to make several million more as long as you're productive. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be exactly what Gilmore wants, but it'll be good enough. And so I, I think they will come to a positive. I, I thought that was a way for Bill Belichick to give him a little break. Like, you know, take take a break for training camp. And we'll come back on right before the season. Totally. Um. <laughs> I mean, they do, though. I mean, it bumps everyone else up. And so you've got J.C. Right. Jackson and Jalen Mills and uh, Jonathan Jones is your top three. That hurts your depth after that. Jalen Mills has been – you know, a little shaky so far in coverage, but again, it's early. I mean, Gilmore, none of the none of the players on defense combination, yeah, size and speed. And right. Belichick loves those number one corners. Oh yeah. I, I really think they got to lock him down, keep him happy, and make sure he's ready to have a. Well, I, absolutely. I think last year, because um, earlier you were talking about how the defense is supposed to be really good this year, and um, we're supposed to be running the ball, and I feel like the last year we had. We had poor performance when it comes to the middle of the field as far as linebackers goes. And up front, we could barely get any push last year. How do you think that's going to change this year? I mean, I know we got some guys in free agency and Calvin Noy um, and then... Um, some draft picks. Hightower came back. Gotcha. So, um, how, how, how does all that gel together? They literally remade their front seven this year. Mm-hmm. And you can tell... Oh, yeah. Improving their run defense was the top right. I think they were 20th in the league last year in run defense. They were allowing 4.5 yards per carry. So Belichick clearly felt they were getting gashed up. They let Adam Butler walk. Um, can't think off the top of my head who walk. But uh, up front, they signed Devon Gottschall from Miami. They signed Henry Anderson from the Jets. Uh, then they brought in a lot of – they have a lot of beef at linebacker. Kyle Van Noy, Matthew Judon, 275 pounds. You know, people might think he's like an edge rusher, like a pass rusher. He's really more of a three-down player, going to be setting the edge in the run game. I think that's where they felt uh, Chase Winovich wasn't wasn't sturdy enough and wasn't able to set the edge. So they bring in Judon, who's bigger, more physical. He can definitely get sacks. I think his career high is only nine or ten, though. He's not not like Von Miller. He's definitely a bigger and more stout um, edge presence. But with Hightower, Van Noy, and Judon, then you've got, you know, Godshaw and Lawrence Guy and Henry Anderson. Uh, they, they just have a, a lot of a lot of beef up front now. And so, you know, like what you see is um, like the nickel defense is basically the base defense. Now. So you need the bigger guys up front because you you're only going to have – it's not a front seven anymore. It's really a front six. Right. So they, they've got a lot of guys. You know, they could put a bunch of 300-pounders on the defensive line. They've got some big physical linebackers now. 
So I think they feel like they've really improved the run defense. They'll be able to get the other teams in a lot more third and long situations. Absolutely. How's, um? I mean, I saw on the Bleacher Report, uh, Christian Barmore is like, is up there as one of the, you know, NFL um, defensive rookie of the year. Um, how's he been looking? I know he got hurt a little bit, but he came back to practice. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of really good stuff being written about him. He gets a lot of put demolishing guys one-on-one. How's he looking? Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. That's the guy I, I forgot to mention. Second-round pick, Christian Barmore. Um, there's only been four pads in practices. So, yes, he's certainly been looking good in one-on-ones. But that's another situation. Like, okay, he looked great against David Andrews. Well, okay, he's never going to play David Andrews during the season, you know? So it's, it's great right. preparation for them to get those reps. But, again, it's hard to tell. Just because he beats Ted Karras on a play, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to have eight sacks this year or whatever. But I think Barmore will be a good situational piece uh, for them. A good interior pass rush. It's, I talked to a, an executive for another team, uh, another AFC, and he said they've really liked Barmore. He just thought it was a year where defensive tackle just wasn't as high of a priority in the draft. He just, you know, you saw all the quarterbacks, receivers, corners, pass rushers, those are the guys that went high. And so, uh, you know, a, a defensive tackle like Barmore slipped into the second round. I know there was some talk about uh, character, but this executive for another team I talked to, this team had no issue with, with Barmore and, and wanted to draft him and really liked that the Patriots, I think they traded up eight spots to go get him. Really Belichick, you know, had his eye on this kid and felt really good value when he was there in the second round. Again, the fact that they have Godshaw and Lawrence Guy, and it's great for Barmore because he doesn't have to have this huge role right away. I expect him to be part of the rotation, and, um, you know, the, the Patriots certainly hope that he'll not only help with the run defense, but with some of the interior pass rush. How long have you been covering the team now, Ben? This is my ninth season. Ninth season. Yeah, that's so, that's covered awesome. the Dolphins for uh, nearly five years before. Wow. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And, well, can, nice. can you tell me if there's a difference between the excitement going into training camp into this new season as far as not having somebody like Tom Brady there? Because I was hearing that the, there wasn't a lot of fans the first couple of days at training camps. And, and for you as somebody that goes there every day, and that's like, I'm sure every every time the season is over, you know, you're anticipating the new season. You're thinking about what's new, what's, um, what's the excitement, what's the attraction. Is what's there a difference? Yeah, there's a noticeable lack of buzz at camp, no question. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, you know, to be fair, it's been mostly weekday practices. They haven't had too many weekends, and that's when people I, are, you know. I, rem- I remember going to the weekdays. I, I thought I thought the buzz was still there. Yeah. At all times. Um, <laughs> definitely. Uh, right. yep, de- I mean, the last five years, you know, since like 2014 on, that's such a unique time and place with pa- the Patriots and winning the Super Bowls. and That was such an unbelievable era for the Patriots, and that's never going to be right. And so it's, it's almost not fair to compare now to then. It's just – it's not. The circus has left town. There's no more Brady, Gronk, all I, the guys. It's, it's true, but – Yeah, Edelman, right, right. Yeah, I mean, all, you know, all the fan favorites are gone for the most part. As much as I want to agree with you guys, I, I think the fact that Newton is a quarterback has something to do with it. Somebody that's – that can't throw the ball, that doesn't wow you really with the ball. Somebody that was put up such a disappointing season last year, I feel like that affected the stock yeah, of the pitch. That deflated a lot of things. Yeah, and, <laughs> and if we had a court, if we had, if we, if, I feel like as fans, if we felt as Belichick had 
put a master plan and had a good replacement for Brady. I think, like, for example, if Jimmy Garoppolo was still here, right. I think there would have been a fair amount of um, excitement around the team. I mean, I'm sure it would have decreased, but not as much as it has decreased. Yeah, no question. They're coming off a 7-9 season. Yeah. Cam, you're right. I, I don't get the sense the fans are totally thrilled with him. He has – he has some supporters out there. He gets some cheers when he comes on. Um, Mac Jones, too. Fans are definitely interested in seeing how he's looking, but it, it's just not the same buzz. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember the last few years of Brady. The camp would open on a Thursday, and practice would just be – Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You get to Saturday, yeah. and, and not only is every seat in the stands filled, but then the fans were going up in the stadium, in the walkways, rotundas. Yeah, the ramps, yeah. The ramps, yeah. And, and yeah, I used to be ramp. up there. I used to be one of those guys up yeah, in the ramps. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so that was – and that was awesome. And then, you know, you, oh, notice yeah. it, you notice it from a media perspective. ESPN and NFL Network always used to come on the first day of Patriots camp. You, there'd always be national – uh, reporters coming in, and, and there just hasn't been that. This year. They're not. Mm, wow. They're not the wow, sexy. That's crazy. They haven't been over there yet. Yeah. Wow. Not yeah. not nearly as much. Not nearly as much. So you notice it, and you know what? I think Bill Belichick is just fine with it. I think Bill he, Belichick. I mean, is fine. Hey, I wants to be underestimated. Bill Belichick is fine with it. Is is Robert Kraft fine? I think he. I think Robert Kraft's okay with it for now. Like, sure. For yes. now. <laughs> for now. For now. Yeah, yeah. And for the meantime, right. The yeah. No, there, I mean, as long as they're still selling out the season tickets, which yeah. they are. Um, he, but I, he's I, fine with it. But I, 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 I do bet you that Robert Kraft wish, wishes his team was on national TV more. I think they only got yeah. three national yeah. games instead of yeah. five a year. So I bet you Kraft wishes they had more buzz from that standpoint. But – I think I think they're okay with being underestimated right now. There's nothing worse than going to stations. Right. So I, I think they're okay for right now. What Kraft won't be okay with is if they start or we can't. Yep, yep. It's going to be very Not interesting acceptable. around here. Very interesting. Um, yeah. I, oh, sorry, John, what are you, you going to say? Well, no, we were speaking about the older eras, and I know uh, Ben's been covering the team for a long time now. So that means you've been through a lot of our scandals, a lot of the things that was going on, dynasty, and everything. And I know you covered the Flake Gate. What was what was what was it like covering that? Um, you know, what was I mean? What were you looking for when that time was happening? So Patriots fans don't like this answer when I say it, but. I thought Deflategate was the greatest story ever. I oh had so God. much fun oh, wow. for those two years. <laughs> I mean, that story had everything. It had, you know, the star, the, the league's greatest player, you know, getting suspended and the battle between Goodell. We had the, it, the most absurd scandal of ball deflation and just the clown show that was the, the referees trying to measure the balls at halftime and they didn't even know about the ideal gas law or anything like that. We're sports fans and we're talking about the ideal gas law. We're learning all this stuff about science. Uh, then it turned into a legal story and taking the train down to New York and sitting in, you know, in U.S. District Court watching these famous attorneys on both sides, you know, argue about deflated foot. It was the most absurd, ridiculous, but incredible story. We were this close to going to the Supreme Court. I was rooting so hard. Crazy. We, I wow. would have gone to the Supreme Court oh, over this. Um, right. I, I can see. I can see why it was fun for you as a writer. I mean, I love. Oh, yeah. I, I learned so much. About so the much process. I mean, I've never covered a lawsuit from start to finish before, so I just thought <laughs> it was so fun. Now, look, I, I think at the end of the day, I think the Patriots did it. I think the fact that 
you know, they made the two guys disappear and they weren't answering questions. They had some lame excuses about why they called them later. I mean, the, they did it. Brady chewed the guys out because the balls were overinflated. So the guys were taking the balls and, you know, taking a pin probably and letting it So I think in the end, they did it. They were guilty. Yeah. And the Patriots didn't help themselves by denying, accusing. accusing Brady throwing over the phone. And, and yeah, Brady destroying his phone and the website, you know, Wells reporting context. Like, they just did themselves no favor. You know, that said, I do think the NFL went a little far. It's fascinating to me that, you know, Goodell went so hard after Brady. You would never see Adam Silver go after LeBron. You know, Major League Baseball go after Mike Trout, like the, their greatest selling point. Tom Brady's like the greatest thing going in the NFL, and you have them going hard after him. Well, Jer- Jerry Jones had him like this, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like a no bubble. question. Yeah. No question. <laughs> Roger Goodell was just taking orders, and it wasn't just Jerry Jones. There were a lot of people oh, yeah. who wanted wanted to see the Patriots. I'm sure the Jets oh, yeah. were more um, than happy. Um, so it was a – you know, and, and like for me, like – I got to go on like CNN and, and you know cable news and NBC oh, news, like whew. nightly news. It's all about awesome. I mean, it was just wow, the that's most pretty incredible sweet. That's, that's pretty cool, man. So I, I mean, I loved it, and I was sad when it ended. I wanted it. To- <laughs> you know, um, that started, you know, that whole situation started a rift between um, Belichick and Tom Brady. Yeah, hundred percent. I I think well, just Brady and the organization. I think Brady felt like he was the boss. Didn't get enough. I mean, from the from the get go, Belichick said. Talk to him. He's the guy. I, he's the one who touches the footballs. I have nothing to do. And then Kraft didn't support Brady. So I think it definitely started the rift. And then I think it just you know, widened into a canyon. Excuse me, after Brady won the Falcons, who pulls off the greatest comeback ever. And they still won't trade Jimmy Garoppolo. He's like, what do I have to do for you, Pete? I've won five Super Bowls, pulled off the greatest upset ever, you know, greatest comeback ever. What do I have to do to get some respect from you? And so, you know, once they didn't trade Jimmy, the gloves came off. And then out the Alex Guerrero situation, you know, Belichick's King Brady's guy off the team flights and taking away his sideline pass. Um, Belichick didn't appreciate that Brady and and Guerrero were like recruiting guys to go work out at TB12 instead of doing the Patriots workout program. Brady was upset that they didn't get him the right receivers. I mean, just one one thing after him. I think, you know, you, you look at like what Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, and to me, it, it makes you appreciate, like, I can't believe that Belichick and Brady still kept it together for me. They, they exactly. had a long time to be with each other. Oh, yeah. Belichick, I'm sure, is not an easy person to be with for 20 years. So it's kind of remarkable that they made it last as long as they did. And even, I mean, they won a Super Bowl in the season 2018 when they had a lot of dysfunction. So um, it, it's impressive. Oh, yeah. It's really impressive. When push came to shove, they're able to put their feelings aside. And- We've gone through a lot of stuff, man, including um, the late, you know, Aaron Hernandez. Um, you know, that situation, was, what was that like? I'm sure that wasn't much fun. I was going to say, not not nearly as fun. That that story just kind of makes my stomach churn just because of, you know, I, I, I think it's just so sad and tragic. A guy who had his whole life in front of him, you know, baby baby daughter, millions of dollars, football career all away. And then we learned as it, he was hiding his homosexuality. And I just, you feel for that, that a guy just he couldn't he didn't feel like he could be himself you know and he had to kind of i think do the tough guy act to compensate and then you learn that he abused as a child and things like that from not from his parents but from other people and it's just it's awful all the way around um it it happened a month after i got here i moved here wow. in memorial oh, day man. wow that's crazy 2013 and a month later i think it was june 18th he got arrested and it's like welcome to boston so that was insane and and 
I had a weird, not a weird connection, but I, I had a deeper connection than just being here uh, to that story just because um, I covered aunt. I covered Aaron in college. I used to, my wow. first kind of pro oh, beat covering the University of Florida, Florida when Tebow hmm. and Hernandez and Urban Meyer and all those guys were there. And um, inevitably I, I got asked after the arrest, like, oh, did you, what was he like at Florida? Did you know? It's like, no, of course I didn't know how bad of a person he was. If, if anyone had, I, you know, hopefully things wouldn't have gotten as far as they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say I, I had a friend, um, he was a, a student at the time, uh, and he, he was like a student journalist. His name was Ed Ashoff, a great friend, a great reporter. He ended up working for ESPN. Unfortunately, he passed away. He was only 34. Ed was a close friend, and Ed lived in a house of guys in Gainesville, and next door to them was a house of girls, and Hernandez was dating one of the girls. And so the two houses would hang out all the time. Uh, my friend Ed would always, he'd hang out with Hernandez a lot. And I, I just remember, um, is this uh, R-rated? Can I use a curse word? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, oh, of course. Feel right. free. Just want to clear it. Just want to clear it. Thing. No worries. Uh, I remember Ed told me, he, he said, dude, Aaron Hernandez is the biggest piece of shit you've ever met. I was like, why? Wow. And he said, oh, damn. you know, like, you'd be throwing a party, and he'd show up with his boys, and they'd purposely trudge mud through your house, and they'd smoke cigarettes in your living room, and they'd steal something out of your kitchen, and just, like, act like shitheads, you know, like entitled yeah. entitled shitheads. Now, a lot of college football players are entitled shitheads, and they don't become murderers. So there's – clearly there's a leap there to Hernandez. But that that's just something that always stuck with me, that Ed said Hernandez was just a terrible person. So yeah. I guess mm-hmm. – I guess we did see that eventually. You know, I do my homework on the people. Hold on, Vlad. I do my homework on the people that come on the show. You know, just, I mean, of course, I've been reading you for a long time. You know, so me asking that question, I had no idea you had that connection. Um, it, that it's crazy. Yeah, I, thanks, I've been, for sharing. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've gone back and read my stories. You know, this is when he's like a 19-year-old kid at Florida. And, man, I fell for it hook, line, and sinker. You've got all these quotes in there, like, from Urban Meyer, like, what a great young man who dedicated himself to his schoolwork and turned his life around. And, you know, yeah, he hit a sore spot when his father died, but what a great, and, and we all, we all fell for it. We all bought the act. Even when he signed that big contract with the Patriots, he said, I've, I've learned, I've got to change my ways and I've got to be responsible now. And he, he was a, <laughs> he was a con artist, you know, he knew what to, how to, you know, what to say to certain, to, to people, you know, kind of how to be charming, fool Robert Kraft. And I mean, I don't think Belichick, I don't think he fooled Belichick as much, but I don't think Belichick knew that Hernandez was capable. I don't think they would have kept him around if he knew that was the case. Oh, they draft him. Yeah. I mean, draft, but then, and then give him that big contract. That yeah. mistakes. Right. You know, Hernandez just, he, he knew how to con people. It's crazy. Um, Vlad. No, go ahead. For Vlad, I had a question. No, go ahead, oh, Okay, thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, on a, Bit of a positive note. I know we've been talking about some pretty crazy <laughs> some heavy stories stuff, about man. the team. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, ask you, Ben. I know you guys, you've been saying you've been covering the team for a while. Uh, what would you say is your favorite moment in memory uh, of covering the team so far to this point? Uh, it has to be that Falcon Super Bowl. There is never – we're never going to see a game like that. I, I've um, – right. I lost my shit during that game, too. I was in the press box. <laughs> we all did. I yeah. wasn't cheering, but I was just caught up in the moment. Like, every big play, like, I just kept I, – I, I was standing up. I couldn't sit down. My feet were, like, pedaling like this. Just like, oh, my God. Palm I, sweat. I, I, yeah, I had to, you know, those Super Bowls, those night – any sort of night game is hard for a newspaper writer because we have these deadlines to get the paper out. And so yeah. you're, you're writing – 
during starting late third quarter, you better start writing and you need to have your story done 10 minutes after the game ends. So fourth quarter, like you're rooting for a blowout so that the game doesn't matter and you can just write your story. So uh-huh. it was a blowout and I had all, I had 900 words written about how they sucked and boy, did the Falcons <laughs> expose their lack of speed and they've got a lot of work to do this off season. And then, you know, uh, they get it to 28, 12 or whatever. There's a strip sack from Hightower. It's like, hold the phones, you know, this, this game ain't over yet. Mm-hmm. You know, just, uh, it was what, I mean, what a moment, what a game. Um, the other one, obviously, I mean, this team is unbelievable. They're, they're interesting off the field. They're interesting on the field. I mean, the Malcolm Butler moment, just two years prior to that, it was another instance where late in the game, the entire press box, you know, you could hear a pin drop. Eerily silent because everyone's kind of writing their stories. And and another game where it went back and forth so much, you don't know what story you're writing. Do the Patriots win or do they they lose? And, you know, so it's, you know, everyone's just furiously, like, just trying to compose their thoughts. And it looks like Seattle's going in for the winning score. And then Malcolm Butler comes up with his interception. And just, like I said, you know, it's like deathly silent in the press box. Someone behind me just, fuck yeah! And the whole press box stopped. <laughs> and everyone turns around. And it was Bob Quinn, who later became the general manager of the Detroit Lions. He was still with yeah. the Patriots at the time. And he just couldn't contain himself. He was just so excited for the moment. He just mm-hmm. unleashed this big F-bomb, you know, in this uh, very quiet press box. I mean, what a, what a moment, what an ending that was. And, I mean, again, for this team to have that game – and the Falcons game, the Eagles game was crazy. Their previous Super Bowls were all crazy. The team is just – I feel – I always tell my friends around the league, like, I feel sorry for them. What do you write about? None of your teams are nearly as interesting as what the Patriots have. There's just never a lack of material, never, you know, lack of – I know it's mm-hmm. kind of cliche, but, friend, I mean, the Malcolm Butler and then the Falcons, nothing will ever talk. I mean, I'm not a writer, and but as a writer, do you ever try to take the fans through your own emotions? So instead of like rewriting the whole story, um, you just like, this is how I was feeling as the game was going on, and this is how it ended up being? Yes and no. I, I don't try to make it about me, because I don't think anyone really cares about me. But, but my coverage has changed a lot. That's not true. We care about you, man. Well, thank you. That's very <laughs> yeah, we, we do, man. Of course, man. Um, but... Uh, what you know, my my game coverage used to. I would really try to find out, you know, try to interview as many Patriots players as I could to try to get you know a little sch- schematic to mm-hmm. what what was the big change, what was the big adjustment, and it's tough with the Patriots, man. They do not give you anything. You know, the the best the best material from that often can come from the visiting locker room. Sometimes a team that beats the Patriots, I go in there, they love chattering about how they beat the big mm-hmm. bad Patriots. Oh yeah. But so, but, yeah, but, but it's tough. The Patriots make it tough to do that. So especially last year when, um, because of COVID, I wasn't really going to games. It's kind of more, more into um, analysis and opinions and takes. So it's not, it's not my emotions, but it's my takes from the game. Boy, Cam Newton really struggling with the deep ball. Um, this offense is not going to survive if you throw the ball more. Man, what a great day for the offense. Did you see that great uh, for the offensive line, you see that block. By... So I just try to I try to put things into perspective and try to have more analytical takes than just um, certainly you don't want to just like regurgitate the score and write just like a play by play because everyone reading my story they watched the game. They, they watched the game happened. already. Yeah, they knew what happened. Right, right. So they you know they want to see my little spin on the game or you know ideally they'd get some good insight from the players, but that's really that can be hard from the Patriots. They're taught from the beginning to kind of keep everything in house. Don't and... say nothing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> when, 
when I used to cover the Dolphins, um, so it's funny, I, I, I covered the Dolphins 07 to, to 12 with a stop in game. I was covering the Dolphins up here for the Wildcat game, if you remember that one in 2008, when uh, Tony Zaccano oh, yeah. and, and, the, and the Dolphins came in. Yeah, for a whooping on uh, that was the Matt Castle year. Yep, yeah, yeah. Whooping on them out of nowhere. Yeah, and they and they unleashed this wildcat. And I think Ricky Williams or no Ronnie Brown scored three touchdowns and threw a fourth, and just the Patriots no answer. And after the game, the guys in the locker room were awesome. Oh yeah, you know we're working on it in the preseason, but then Ronnie Brown broke his thumb, and so we had to put it on the shelf for a few weeks. And then you know Tony Sperano was like, "Well, we were on the airplane back from Arizona last week, and that's when David Lee came and said, yeah, let's let's put it in.'" And, and Ricky Williams was just like taking us through the whole thing. I mean, it's when you have players that cooperate and teams that kind of cooperate and can kind of bring you inside the game. That to me is the best stuff. It's just becoming harder and harder, especially with the Patriots. When a team does let you in and isn't afraid to kind of reveal how things you work, like that's. That's always what. So you're not surprised about Tom Brady's Tom Brady's uh, changed character in um, Tampa? No, he's certainly a lot more free spirited, and he was becoming like that here in, in recent years. He was doing a lot more, and he did mm-hmm. Tom first, so it's not like. Oh yeah. It's not like he was totally buttoned up, but yeah, he's definitely got a much better balance there. And you know, Bruce Arians gives him days off, even if Brady maybe doesn't even want it. And, they, they've given Tom the run of the, you know, they did it last year with, you know, being skeptical, you know, especially, I think, what were they, seven and five after total? It's not like yep. things were all hunky-dory, but they rolled out the red carpet for Tom. And then, you know, once he went on that run and won the Super Bowl, it's like, all right, Tom, we'll sign whoever you want. We'll run whatever you plays you want. You're the boss here. And I think Bruce Arians is happy to ride on those coattails. And Brady's just found the perfect, like, low-key environment. Same with Gronk. They love it down there. There's no pressure. Bruce Arians, like, whatever the heck they get there. So I, I, I think they're just loving kind of being away from grind of Fox Belichick. Okay. Um, I think my last question is, um, what – What's your prediction on this season? What is the Patriots' record? Call me a homer if you must. I think uh, Cam is going to turn around. You know, it kind of all depends on health. And adding that 17th game, it doesn't. This is a guy who, he did play 15 games last year, and the only game he missed was due to COVID. But I'm still a little concerned with the durability. I hope he's vaccinated for sure. But if he's not, he's putting his roster spot in. He's not vaccinated. But I think he's going to have a better season. I think with a second year in the system, having much better weapons around him, hopefully a better offensive line as well, better defense, just kind of better everything around him. Uh, I think he's going to have a turnaround season. Not a, He's not going to be the MVP, Cam Newton, but he's going to have a nice year. So I think 11-6, and 12-5, and five, I think the schedule sets up much better for them. Not the most daunting schedule. You know, not too many crazy road trips. Uh, the late bye might hurt them. I, I think they don't have a bye till like week What's 14. What's that, like week 14, yeah? Yeah, really mm-hmm. late. Yeah. Wow, that's extremely late, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another reason why I think Cam, like I just don't see an obvious part in the schedule. You know, maybe after the Bucks game, I think week five, they're against Houston. Maybe that's an easy. Otherwise, I think they play like one o'clock every Sunday, pretty consecutive. I think it's week 11, they have maybe after that. But honestly, I think with the late bye and the late Thursday game, I think it's shaping up. Be the quarterback for a while, and, and I'm optimistic. With defense, running the ball, hopefully limiting some turnovers, better teammates, Cam more comfortable. I don't see why they can't be 11 and 6, 12 and 5 back in the playoffs. I don't they're not on the level of Kansas City, but I think they'll be competitive. I think they'll be one of the top four. Uh yes, Ben. I wanted to ask, uh, what young player do you see making the biggest leap on uh the Patriots th- this season on offense and on on defense? 
Damian Harris seems obvious, and I know last year he took a big jump, but he still only had six, seven hundred yards somewhere. He sat out. So he, if he can stay healthy, this guy's he's looking at a thirteen hundred yard season, double digit. Um, one guy who I'm intrigued about is Devin Aziazi, the second year tight end. Uh, you know, Hunter Henry already banged up with a shoulder injury. Yeah, Hunter Henry's now. Yeah, I know, games. Oh, boy. They're going to need Ozzy Ozzy throughout the season. And I talked to a few guys around the league who were high on him and thought he was a great pick for the Patriots. We're a little surprised at how little he contributed as a rookie. So he's back now. He's off the COVID list. Uh, that's definitely a guy I'm kind of intrigued to step up. Uh, on defense, good question. I, I think Josh Uche, second mm. year guy. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and Dogger, too. I, I think Dogger's going to be great. Kyle Dogger's another one, yeah. Dogger's going to be, you know, a guy who doesn't come. He's going to be a three-down player, 100% of snaps guy. He might even be a four-down getting a lot of specialties, too. Whereas I think Uche still might be more situational this year, you know, behind Judon and Hightower. But I think Uche's definitely going to be going after the quarterback. And I think showed, showed some great athleticism last year. They'll use him as a spy against some of the more athletic quarterbacks. Um, so I really like Uche. And I really like ah, no, me, too. I Absolutely. What have you been seeing from those guys in camp so far? Uh, about the same. Again, I I don't know what to make. Defensive performances yet. Pads have only been on for days. But Duggar's everywhere. And Uche, I, you know, you don't quite feel him as much because he's not usually with the starters. But, again, I just think he showed a lot as a rookie. And I think a tremendous athlete. And, you know, Belichick, he – he doesn't play rookies a ton. For me. I remember Jamie Collins was a part-time in his first year and then really exploded his second. So I think Uche could be. Ooh, another Jamie Collins? Like that? Maybe, you know, that's maybe that, that's hot. That's lofty praise. So maybe I shouldn't put those expectations on Uche. But I think he's going to get great. me excited there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's no, he's, excited. A, he's a great athlete. He's going to be a good player. For me. Well, awesome, awesome. That's what I like to hear. That's good stuff. Looking Absolutely, man. Um, ben, uh, it's been a really great time interviewing you and getting to chat with you about the Patriots. Um, you know, if you're listening, please make sure you're subscribing and following Ben on Twitter at Ben Volen. Um, And, you know, hopefully we can get you back on here when the season starts, Ben. Um, thanks again. That'd be awesome. This was uh, a really great conversation and, uh, Hope to see you guys uh, out at camp soon. They got, I think, three more weeks of camp. So, hope you guys can come out and check out the action for yourselves. Barry's going to DM you when we go out there. For sure. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I will hit you up, Ben, on our Twitter and let you know as soon as, um, you know, we all, you know, plan, uh, you know, to go out there, you know, figure out a day where we can all make it. And uh, I'll, I'll definitely let you know. And we'll definitely, uh, you know, say hi and say what's yeah, up. We'll so. up. We'll meet up and watch some reps again. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely, awesome. definitely. Yeah, that that'd be great. I'd love that. So, yeah, no, that'd be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Good stuff. Yeah, thanks night, for coming ben. on, Ben. Appreciate it. it All right, appreciate meeting you. Ben. you. All right, thanks a lot, Ben. Well, good shit, ben. guys. That was, that was a great interview. If you're still watching, make sure you subscribe to the channel, support us, follow us on social media, Instagram at ProFans under Sports One, Twitter at ProFans Sports, everything else at ProFans Sports. Shout out to our supporters. Shout out to our listeners. You know what I mean? Um, mess with us, man. It's pro fan. Yes, and shout out to all the big time guests like Ben Bowling that have been coming on, on on this podcast. It's been absolutely amazing and fascinating. The guys that we've been able to bring on here and the stories and insight that these guys have is out of this world. It's unbelievable. So 